0: Let's go ahead and uh, open this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you for who you are. We praise you, God, for the sacrifice of your son. We praise you, God, that your heart and the desire of your heart was not just to see us live and come out of sin but was to come into relationship. To repair what was lost in the garden as you walked with Adam and Eve. That is your heart's desire. I thank you for that. I thank you for that opportunity that by sending your son, it opened a door that none could close. That door of opportunity To know you through your son. Because of his sacrifice. Lord, I thank you. And I ask this morning. That you speak whatever you desire. That your heart be portrayed. Not be muddled by my own words. Not be. Taken through the filter of my own thoughts. God, I give you my mouth. I give you my mind, my will. I have given you my yes. So I ask, Father, that we hear from you. That we hear your heart. And Lord, I, I pray that it falls upon ears to hear. Because there is a deafness in this world that is not just here today, but has been here for decades. We have fallen into a different time. And the grace that was prevalent before that we took advantage of That grace is still there, but the ability to take advantage of it, to overstep what your desire was on that grace, is gone. So Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand your heart. You are a good, good Father. You want only good, but that good comes at a cost. <clears throat> you have already paid the cost of your son. The cost is now ours to bear. And that cost is love. That cost is focus that cost is laying down our lives that we wish to control. Because you purchased us with a price, a very dear price. When we accepted that purchase and received Jesus as our Messiah, as our Savior into our hearts, at that moment we gave up our will. Or teach us not to try to take it back. To control our lives. Control sometimes because of fear. Control sometimes because of greed. Control sometimes because we don't know any other way. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit permeate those who are listening now and those who would listen. Work on their hearts to understand what it is that you will say. We Love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as I was sitting with the Lord, he gave me a phrase, and then he gave me a scripture. We will go there this morning, but I want to tell you the phrase first. He just kept saying, it's not business as usual. It's not business as usual. (laughs) I said, well, Lord, what do you mean? Because I haven't been in business for years. What he was talking about is the bride. What he was talking about was what he paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. See, his bride began when the church began. And over the years, the church has taken advantage of his love. Taken advantage of his grace because he is filled with love. He is filled with grace. I mean, for that matter, he is love. But we all know people that take advantage. As a child, it's like written into our DNA to take advantage. Well, I know if I ask this way, mom can't say no. Right. Or usually in our case with the girls, well, if I know if I ask this way, dad can't say no. Of course, my response to that is go ask your mother <laughs> or vice versa. If, if, if there's a weak point in her in her grace, then they'll come to me or she'll send them to me. Right. But we take advantage of God in that way and that's how we have taken advantage of Him for decades. See, I know God will not strike me dead and I know He loves me and because of His love, I will choose to control my own life. When we make that choice and so often it's done out of fear. So often it's done because of something we go through, maybe a traumatic event that we go through. I went through a traumatic event my freshman year of college. I've shared it before. I'm not going to share it again. But it was, a, it was a life-altering event for me. I know God had me on a different pathway my entire life building up to that, especially building up to high school. He had me on a different path. And what I went through my freshman year of college rocked me. Rocked my view of what the church was. Because it happened in the name of Jesus. It was all done in the representation of his salvation on people's lives. I'm getting that ring again, guys. In that traumatic time. All I could think in my own mind was, this will never happen to me again, ever. I will not let it happen to me again, ever. And I began to take control of my life. I switched my major. I thought, okay, well, what is, and and this is from my standpoint but the reactions are all still in the same category, category, the same. For me, it was all about money. I can control my situation if I can control my income. If I can control it rather than going through getting a job and building that up over years. If, if I go into business for myself, then it really is based upon not just my talent. In fact, maybe less of my talent, more of my tenacity. My willingness to work. So that's where it all changed for me. I became a business major. I I specialized in marketing. I became in this thought process of sales. Immediately after my freshman year, I just felt to myself, I'm done with college, because that's where this happened, in football. A very dear thing in my life got stripped away from me. And again, I'm not going to go into the story right now. So I decided I'm going to stay a year out of school, and I'm just going to... Work. I'm going to go get a job that has unlimited potential. All it requires is me learning it and me doing it. And I did just that. I I became one of the... Uh, just this idea of sales now. I, I cringe, but but back then it was like, okay, there's nothing better than sales because it is all up to me. There's nobody that can... Hinder me, except me. So I took this sales position. After my freshman year, I was 18 years old. Or maybe 18 and a half, whatever, whatever it was. I started to sell annuities and insurance. And I got good. I got really good at it. I even surprised myself. The company I worked for had about 100 agents. Four managers. Within six months, I was doing more than any of them. I became a manager there. Here I am, 19 years old, and I'm teaching people in their 50s how to sell insurance. And even in the teaching, then they had me do all the interviewing, bringing people into the company. Even in all of this, I still had the highest sales of anybody. In the whole company. I was feeling really good about that. But then a year and a half into that, God began to show me the choices that I made. I wasn't willing to just give it all up and say, okay, God, man, I took a wrong turn. Let me back up and do it again. But I did a little bit toward that. I thought, well, Lord, I'll at least go back to college. I'll go back to Christian college. I'll give up, I'll give up what I'm doing here right now. But I'm not going to give up the control that I want because, because, Lord, I believe you want me to do that. I believe that you want me to control. And if you understand my upbringing, it's all about control. So I went back to school but I still controlled my life, or tried to. Isn't that really a joke in our lives? When we try to control our lives as a Christian, what happens? It's kind of like holding sand in the palms of your hands, and then there develop little cracks between your fingers. You just can't hold it. How much sand, how much water can you hold with little cracks? See, that is the Christian life trying to control their walk, still believing God is God, still believing that they have a pathway in God, which I did. Never lost that, ever. It just came through the lens of my control. And then it wasn't until years and years later that I began to learn it was my control that was holding me back from God. Now I'm 56 years old. It took me the majority of my life to figure out that God wants complete control. Not, not just the control I'm willing to give him. Not even the control of, of walking purely in his, in, in his precepts, in, in, in what he says, the do's and don'ts. That's still control, guys. If I choose to walk in a certain way because it's a list of precepts, I'm still controlling because the element of control comes in something that you cannot control. And that's in your spirit. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, that was not an intellectual choice. It can't be. If it was, then you did not accept him as Savior. It had to be a moment of faith for you. Because when you look, look outside, look out the window, look around, I don't see Jesus. I don't see the fact that he died on the cross. I can't pull up a YouTube and see Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, really. You probably pull up, you know, movies showing it, of course. But you see what I'm saying? You can't pull up evidence, physical evidence. You can't go down to the Smithsonian and see the cross there that he was hung on, that was confirmed because we have Jesus' DNA, and this was His cross, you can't do that. See, you have to accept by faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to accept by faith that Jesus Christ chose as the Son of God to become a man, to insert Himself into His own creation. You have to by choice believe That he lived a perfect sinless life and offered that life on the cross for your sins. You also have to believe that when he died, he went into the bowels of hell as a victor. He didn't go down there to burn. He went down there as a victor because the victory came when he lost his physical life. He went down to go unlock The chains of death. That's what the Bible says. So you have to accept that by faith. It's by faith that we are saved. Not by works. So that none of us can boast. So there was a moment in your life, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, that you accepted Him by faith. There was that faith time in your life. I'm here to tell you, that requires the least amount of faith that will ever be required of you as a Christian. And yet, most of the bride thinks it's just the opposite. That that statement of faith, believing in Jesus Christ as Savior, receiving Him into our hearts, that is this massive, incredible, amazing, hard-to-come-to place. But it isn't. In fact, Jesus made it the very easiest to believe. He said in Romans that there is no excuse for anyone to believe that there is not a God. Just by looking at creation. Just by looking at how things exist. How they're put together. Any true scientist can tell you that there is something out there outside of Us outside of creation that makes everything hold together. In fact, do you know what science's name for Jesus is? Atomic glue. (laughs) Because they don't know what it means. They don't know what it means when you split an atom. When you... And, and hopefully, my science is correct here. When you, when you split a, photo, a proton and neutron, right? Yes. Thank you. One person remembered from science, science class. <laughs> See, what holds them together? Because you have a proton and a neutron that are charged the same. Right? Well negative well, the point is they push away from each other. The electrons? Okay, this is really an awesome story if I get it correct. Don't do that. Don't do that. My wife does that when when, when I start going on, she's like this in the back. Maybe the Lord wants me to learn some science here, but the, the point is this. The, the point is this. They do not stay together on their own. They are held together by something scientists cannot figure out. What holds them together? They just call it atomic glue. We call it Jesus Christ. We call it Hebrews 1.1. That everything is held together by what? The word of his power. Jesus Christ holds things together. So even the very faith that we accept Jesus Christ in must be faith, but it is the least amount of faith necessary. He made coming into the door easy to simply believe, to accept, to invite Him into our heart. That is not the narrow door, guys. All these preachers that preach the narrow door. The narrow door is not inviting Jesus Christ into our hearts and then living our own lives the way we want. How do I know that? Because his goal was not you escaping fire and damnation. That was not his goal. That was part of his goal. It was, a, it was the vehicle for his goal. But that's not his goal. His goal is what was lost in his original creation. His goal was the loss of fellowship. The loss of relationship. Look at it. In Genesis, he used to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Do you think they didn't know he was there? No, he taught them everything that they knew. They spent time together. They fellowshiped together. That is why God recognized that Adam needed a helpmeet. Because it wasn't just that the fellowship with God was Enough for him because God was not with him all the time. He walked with him at times. But his creation, the creation that he put together to come together, there was something missing. I know dog is man's best friend. (laughs) But the fellowship can't be there. So he created Eve. He created this fellowship between them, Adam and Eve, and God, that was not to be broken. That was why He created us in the first place. was because love demanded it. But then when that was lost, and God knew this from the beginning, He knew nothing is a surprise to God, But he already had in mind a plan to recapture the capability of relationship. And we look back over the decade, over the centuries, really, at how it began at Pentecost. The, The church, the bride, began at Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was promised and sent. What was the power of the Holy Spirit? If you talk to most theologians, it was to begin the church. But see, what they miss is they look at it from this lens of the church as being an entity. The church as being some business, some entity, really. Its own entity made up just of a bunch of little worker bees. But the entity, the church, the bride, was begun at Pentecost. Baloney. I think those 120 that went through Pentecost, if they heard us say that, if they saw the state of the church today, they would weep. Because that's not what the Holy Spirit was sent for. To just begin some process. That's not what the apostles were sent for. Just to begin a process. To 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 draw up this blueprint that we can then follow until Jesus finally comes and gets us. Or we die. And we get to be with him. What a sad state of the church. But Satan knew if he could get us to follow a blueprint instead of following and interacting with the Holy Spirit that was promised and given, he knew that he could conquer the church. And he did it through the idea of what I said before, control. Controlling our own lives. Once we get our lives under control, well, now we've got this under control. So now we have the right. No, no, we don't have the right. We have the calling. We have the calling from God now to take our own control and press it upon a group of others. Still control. No matter how good the precepts are, still control. See, when you worship Jesus Christ, and by the way, this isn't just singing worship. This is in relationship with him. You have to understand that it is in spirit and in truth. Who is the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. Our belief in him is in spirit. And I do. He, he told me to go to John chapter 3. I want you to go to John chapter 3. In this, Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a learned man of God, a Pharisee. Uh, He he was one who taught the Torah. And we're going to begin at verse 3. Let's just start at verse 1. It explains who Nicodemus was. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to the Jews by night and said to him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus then said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, what Jesus is saying here is, until you come to a place of believing by faith, One, you cannot even know me. You cannot even enter into that gate. That's what we discussed earlier. But it goes so much further than that. It is even having the relationship, the building of relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not believe that by faith, then you don't even know the road to walk down in building relationships. You know, Lord gave me, this was some years ago, He gave me this, this vision of a book cover that I assume I'll write someday, but on this cover, it looked like the throne of God. It looked like, it looked like the very thing that, that I saw when I was taken to heaven and was before the Father. When I am on my knees and I saw the Father's throne. I saw in so much detail his feet. I only saw it up to about the top of his shins. I saw the bottom of his robe. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but the point, of, the point is this book this vision of this book he gave me. I saw the bottom like I did that day, but then I saw his arms as well, which I didn't see that time, and his arms were kind of like this. And I remember seeing that and then reading the caption at the bottom. What do I get? And I remember when I saw it, I thought, That is the strangest thing you've ever shown me. I don't even know what that means. So I began to ask him, what does that mean? And he began to tell me and remind me about his son that was given the sacrifice that not only the son made, but the father made in their relationship together for him to become man, to take on the sin of the world. As a perfect, righteous, holy man. I don't think there's a Christian alive that would argue the fact that Jesus paid it all. He paid a dear price. The Father paid a dear price for us to escape fire. To escape eternal damnation. Paid a dear price. And then what he said to me is, if all that did was pay for you, not to be in pain for eternity, what kind of deal was that? He said, what's in it for me? What's in it for love? What's in it for the God who was the creator of each of us if we do not give back to Him the very reason that we were created in the first place? Let me tell you what's in it for Him. Why He would sacrifice His Son. Why Jesus would become the sacrificial Lamb for each of us. Why would they do that? Because of relationship with you and me. Because see, what he wants so much more is just not the the salvation of your person. Okay, all these people get saved now, they don't have to burn in hell, we'll just keep them in this corner over here and they'll have a good time and and you know that'll be our eternity. What a joke. I don't know about you. I can tell you that would be a poor deal for God. To sacrifice the most amazing thing ever, 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 and to literally receive nothing in return. That's not why he did it. He did it for our love. He did it for relationship with us. Because he wants to move forward in what was lost in the garden. That's why he did it. But he said, here, we just read it, in verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes in your heart, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and who he is by faith to be saved. To build relationship. You have to believe in who he is. In what he did. And how he sent his Holy Spirit to guide you right now. This is not precepts that the apostles set up 2,000 years ago that we just lived by and hopefully God will interact in our lives so we don't get sick. So we make some money so we can have a decent testimony. And have a great time at Christmas with our family that kind of believes the same way. See, that's how it's been for centuries. And it is not that way anymore. Because the times are shifting The times of His grace where He has allowed His bride not to fulfill what they are supposed to fulfill have come to an end. By the way, it's not His harshness bringing this about. It is His love. Because love has a demand upon it. If you have a marriage... Where you have a spouse that is unfaithful to you, and you know it, how is that relationship going to be going to be hurt? Pretty bad, right? If Alexis and I had this had this marriage, we've been married now going on 32, 32 years. In November, in, in a few weeks, <laughs> I remembered. Right. if we have this relationship and and I had another relationship on the side that she knew about well, whether she knew about it or not if I had that what does that do to our relationship? it destroys it there is no relationship there can't be Because it breaks the trust. Love demands purity. The true essence of love demands relationship. Demands closeness. If you fall in love with somebody, you just want to put that in your journal and, okay, great, now we have that relationship, I can move on. No! No, anybody in here that has fallen in love with somebody, what do you want to do? You want to be with them all the time. When I first fell in love with Alexis, I I probably drove her insane. Why does this guy keep calling me? But then she caught the bug. (laughs) Right? When you love somebody, you want to spend time with them. I want to... I want you to really look at your heart. Go inside. Lay it out before the Lord and ask yourself, do you desire to be with God? First of all, you can't unless you look at it this way. You can't unless you look at it in the spirit. If you are living by a list of precepts that make you a Christian, Especially a good Christian. Wow, you know, I I was really good the last few years. I bet I could be a deacon. I bet I can run for an office in the church this year. I don't mean to make that a joke. But guess what? That's a joke to God. That hurts him. Because that control replaces the very love that he wants in return to his love. Hmm. But that first step you take in falling in love with Jesus Christ is not a step you see. Just like the one when you asked him into your heart. You didn't see it. But when you did it, you felt it. Different people feel different things. But I remember when I did it, I was nine years old and I felt peace. Because when I was going into it, I felt fear. And immediately when I did, I felt a change in me. Not a change outwardly. I don't, I don't know that outwardly, except for me saying something. I, mean, it was, I was nine. And I was in a Christian home and I was all around Christian friends and everybody was Christian, Christian, Christian. So I don't know that outwardly anybody knew anything different except for me telling them. But in my heart, I felt a peace I hadn't felt. I felt a fear go away that was there before that step I had to take in faith. No different when this, when you take the step of building relationship has to be done in faith. That's why when, when people ask me, how did you begin to hear the word of the Lord? How did you begin to hear him? Please show me, is there, is there some blueprint as to how it works? <laughs> no. He tells us in his word, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So all I did, it was so simple. All I did was I put it back on the Lord. He never wanted us to take it on ourselves anyway. I just began waking up every morning. Lord, I'm so massively in love with you. I want you so bad. I give you my yes. Whatever that means. Whatever you want me to do. But God, I want the interaction with you that I see in your word. I don't believe it was just for those people. See, 99.9% of Christians will say they believe that God can do anything and they see in his word, well, you know, the Old Testament and, and all these amazing miracles and the parting of the Red Sea and, and then we get to Jesus and Jesus raises people from the dead and 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 all these healings and everything. Yes, I believe, I believe, I believe. But it's not for today, because see that was Jesus. Or it's not for today. See, those were the apostles. They they were there to begin the church. They were there to begin this process that then we can fit into this nice little boxcar to be taken to our destination. Shame on the church for believing that. Shame on the church for saying that they believe that this is the living, breathing word of God, that it is alive and yet treat it as dead. Shame on the church for that. But that is not what he wants for your life. He does not want you to become part of Ignition, and and which, by the way, we don't have them. But if we did, go and and read some creed that we live by, and okay, I will choose to live by that creed, and I am Ignition, and woohoo, I will live a good life now. First of all, it's pretty much opposite. If you want to be part of Ignition, pretty much opposite. But if you want to be a part of any church, that is not what God wants. That is something we call the religious spirit. The religious spirit that has been so heavily induced into the bride ever since the bride began. You saw it in the early workings of the church with those apostles. You saw it with Peter and James and John who went to go against the Gentiles and place on them the very principles that they had grown up with, that the Torah, that the law had pushed. And, and Paul, thank God for Paul, who wasn't even connected there, comes back and, what in the world are you doing? What in the world? You're placing something on them that you couldn't even do yourself. And he said, no, it's in the spirit that you must believe. It is in the power of that relationship that real change comes to our hearts. That is not just living principles and believing, saying with your mouth, this is a live word, but showing with your life that it is dead. It's believing that Everything he places in there is true today, as true as it was 2,000 years ago. Now, that also doesn't mean that you can pick and choose. Oh, well, well if, if those are all available and the gifts are available now, then, um, okay, I choose prophecy because then I can tell people what to do. Okay, again, missing the boat there. Because if this word is alive then you have to understand that all, everything comes from the originator of this word. Which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the truth. The life. Look at John 1. He is the very word of God. And he works with us individually as we say yes to him. So when I came to that conclusion years ago, Whatever it was, seven or eight years ago. I said, Lord, I don't even know how you're going to do this. But I believe. I believe that you have for me what you had for anyone in here. Paul had this relationship with you where, where he, he actually talked to you. You told him what would be going on into the cities that he would go into. Ahead of time. In, in fact, God... Paul got to go to heaven and spend time with you. That's extraordinary. Wait a second, Paul didn't die. No, Paul, he, he said himself, I knew of a man talking about himself that went to the third heaven that was shown things that he couldn't even write down. show things that he couldn't even explain because they were not for the purpose of telling people. I have so many people that, that will contact me and say, well, well, why don't you say this about this? You know, you, you give this word, but you don't fill it in. Not my job. Not my job. It's my job and your job, anybody's job, to speak what God tells them to speak. Let me tell you on the receiving end what your job is. It is your job to receive that word. Acts 17.11 to then take it to the Word. But take it... What does it mean, take it to the Word? You don't just take it to principles, guys. You don't just see, well, that, that Word doesn't show up anywhere in Revelation that I see. It must be wrong. Didn't we just go over the fact that Jesus Christ is the Word? He is living. He is breathing. Who do you take it to? You take it to Him. Because His Word will always, always agree with His Word. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? The only way that you can know that a word is of the Lord or not is to have your own relationship with the Lord. That's what we call my spirit resonating with your spirit. Why? Because it's enveloped by the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not going to lie to himself. It doesn't mean that as you build relationship with the Lord, then all of a sudden you get to be privy to everything that he thinks. I can tell you by personal experience, (coughs) that is just not true. I only know what he tells me. You only know what he tells you. But see, it's those pieces that are supposed to be put together in the bride, in unity that brings the whole. Why has prophecy been so difficult over the decades? Why has it been so spotty? Why hasn't it had the detail coloring of the prophecy added to it? It's because the bride isn't unified. The bride is the furthest thing from unified. You have little pockets of unity. Like here at Ignition, we're, we're unified in Ignition. ABC Church over here might be unified within ABC Church. But what happened to the unity between Ignition and ABC Church? Or all the other churches? Or all the churches within the nations? See, God's goal was not to just give His Son's life so that there can be all these little pockets of people that are all going to heaven and not getting what He is saying. Now He wants us to be unified. But again, that goes back to how. It's done by faith. If you're trying to control your life, Control fights in the face of faith. You can't have both. You can't have faith and then control at the same time. Whatever amount of control you desire in there, it will take away from faith. That's why we have come to a moment, for lack of a better phrase, I call readying of the bride where he brings us into unity together. But trust me, it will be at great cost to the bride. It will be at great cost to the bride. If you don't believe me, read Revelation 11, where it talks about the lukewarm being spit out. That cost is at our doorstep. And I know the Father's heart. His heart is filled with love for his bride. His heart is filled with love for those who do not even know his son as Savior. His desire is for everyone to know him. But not just there. His desire is for everyone to have relationship with him. To actively give up control of their own lives. To become part of something greater. Greater than themselves. This thing that can only be led by God. By Jesus Christ himself. See, Jesus 2,000 years ago came to pay a price. He paid a price <laughs> on the cross and it was finished. That price was paid. He's not hanging out in heaven. Just waiting until time goes by. Until finally, okay, you know, go get your bride. And wow, that would be sad. Now if you understand the book of Song of Songs at all, you understand that the bride has to become ready. Has to become Beautiful has to become, be pure in his sight. Then he comes as a thief in the night. That is the process that has begun with his bride. Everybody in the bride has a choice. That choice is between faith and control. And He wants us desperately to give up control to Him. Last verse I want to read. We all know it. In fact, we could all probably recite it. John three <coughs> sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, because God loved us so much, he gave everything. He gave everything. Not to just purchase your safety, your eternal safety, but to purchase what you were created for in the first place, which is relationship with him. That is done by faith. As it said a few (coughs) verses earlier. That is done by believing in what you cannot see. And I'll just end on this thought. It's not like there's no evidence. Because when you take that step of faith. Just like what I said I felt after I invited him into my heart. When I started to say, yes, Lord, every day, whatever you want, yes, Lord. He started to move in ways that became evidence to me. The evidence of things not seen. Right? That is the fruition of faith. He will give evidence to your faith. Keep pouring the faith until he does. Because what he's doing is he's changing paradigms in your heart. Doing whatever's necessary to change those paradigms of love into what real love is. And what he sees. Alexis, come on up.
1: When you think about the wedding of the bride oh i cannot wait until <coughs> that unity is so special i was thinking as greg was speaking today about you know we are just when the when the secular world and the media and everybody it recognizes what what we know which is that we are so divided there is such a division it's it's um, it's not even sometimes two groups, it seems like it's, it's nuanced in so many different ways and, and even within the bride. And it's so sad. It, it really can be overwhelming. And I, the control factor as, as he was preaching was, show, the Lord was showing me that control is, is exhibited when what's happening today, which is like, you disagree with me, so therefore I reject you. You disagree with me, so my stand is I won't, I won't walk with you. And it's interesting that even though the word of God says, you know, be, be separate, saith the Lord, and come out from among them, that's not referring to being divided and separated from everybody <coughs> in, in that same sense. That gets so misapplied because we are to, the the way that we show Jesus in our lives is how we love one another. and And yet, It's only, again, through the spirit, through discerning his spirits that we know when the enemy is at work in a situation that we need to have a boundary with by his instruction. But instead, it becomes this surface, you disagree, so I block you. And so we really do need that that spirit lens. And um, God's just set it up that way. And when I look at where we are, you have to either deny it. Or have a a really deep level of blindness for what's happening now to not affect you. I really don't – there isn't anyone that wouldn't say in some way or another they observe and it affects them or that they're living in this time of of what's affecting them because of the the mask wearing and all of the the limitations to our freedoms and lockdowns and divisiveness and just a drop of a hat, riots in the streets – and so we are so completely separated, and the Lord is, he is shaking. He's, he's doing a great shaking. He is bringing about um, absolutely a no business, as you, a business is not going to be as usual. And he's doing that so that we aren't anymore able to live in our own little world within our own little group doing things our own little way this shaking is the removal of the control because i don't know if you've tried lately it's you if you want control to not have to wear a mask you're not going to get into a store to buy your groceries it's interesting now the lord has to show you you know what to do in cases like that when it comes to taking a stand but do you see that people aren't able to be in the control? It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. People do not have the control that they've had because of what's happening in this world. God is allowing um, the the shaking to cross all lines of influence, money, whatever it is. And it's shaking in some way, shape, or form. And people are feeling it. And why? It's so that they will look up to him, to a higher power. People are more desperate Something outside of themselves than they've ever been before. And I loved what Hannah shared going to the um on the prayer call last night when she went to the, the rally in DC yesterday, which was that even at a seemingly secular political event, just seeing prayer just just break forth all throughout the crowd. People praying. And and I even happened to see a, a little Twitter video where somebody was directly being attacked, it was very, very sad. Um this older man trying to defend himself. Um, and he was completely circled. And a, and a guy came from behind and just with a full force just knocked him on the side of his head. And and he was just laid out, bloody. But when the people, when some farther away people came, they they made their way toward the video and you could hear the guy that was helping him say, Father, in the name of Jesus, bring healing to him. Heal his head. Heal him. Help him. And That was the bright spot in the terrible video. But I just, you know, God is is getting our attention in one way or another. He is bringing things about because he does love us. He wants us. He wants his bride. He wants his people. He wants the lost to be saved. The Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But he certainly wants his own people to be in relationship and to be in fellowship with him. And, um... And he really set it up that way. We were talking about that in the ladies' class this morning. That, um, you know, in (coughs) Matthew 11, um, when he says that that Jesus is praying and he says, Father, thank you that you've hidden things from the wise and the prudent who think they know it all, essentially. And you've made your truth able to be seen by those who are babes that approach you with a childlike heart. God wants... He wants the connection. He doesn't want to have just the intellectually favored uh, people to be able to discern. Discerning the truth is not going to come just by opening the word of God. And we said that this morning. If you open the word of God, that is not the way to receive truth. You might read words that we know are truth, but that truth will not be swallowed and transformed, transformable in your own life without Jesus without the Holy Spirit. That's the interesting thing about it. And that's because if because God wants relationship. And if, if that were true, then that would mean that all the Bible scholars that don't even know the Lord, these secular Bible scholars would no longer be secular if they were if if it was just a matter of reading a book to receive truth. God set it up to where you gotta enter in. He gave the comforter, he gave the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And I'm so thankful for that. And I really want to encourage you. Some of this message today may have been basic for some of us that know this, but I love hearing, and and I was found myself so grateful as Greg was sharing how the Lord opened him up to hearing the voice of God. It is so sad that people hear when people hear another believer share what the Lord said, for there to be such pushback. Now there will be pushback when the Holy Spirit reveals to you that what they're hearing may not be of the Lord. And that's where you go to the Lord for the wisdom and the discernment because sometimes there are um, voices that get in there. But, but, the, but the most important part of what Greg said about his own testimony is he put it back on the Lord. And that's what I, sh- I think I shared last week at the end of the service. Hebrews 10.25, he who promises faithful, rely on his faithfulness. We sing that in the bride too, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. But we don't often apply that to, he is also faithful to keep us from deception. If our heart genuinely is broken and contrite toward him. I know I love that because some people may not think that we're concerned about being deceived. But I can tell you from my own personal walk with the Lord, there is no voice I want given a vote in my life. That isn't directly God himself, the trinity of, of God, of the Godship. I don't want any other voice to have a vote. Does that mean that I will hear them sometimes? Yes. But that's where you apply God speaking through his word, Second Corinthians ten five. That's where you cast down those imaginations and those things that try to exalt themselves. High things against the knowledge of God. But God will keep us on the path. If we're willing to just surrender every day, like Paul said, to die daily. I die daily. I have to be crucified with him. And that is really what is happening now. And sadly, um, it's not. Oh, please remember um, what he said here and what he even actually was a post that he put on Facebook. What is happening and what was about to be seen with our own eyes is not the harshness of God. It is the holiness of God. It is the holiness of God. Um, in Psalm 103, it, it says the Lord, um, he, he delivers those that are oppressed. He executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And when you execute righteousness and judgment, if my daughter Brooke is being oppressed, if, if my love for her wants to deliver her from the oppression, then there will be an end to the oppressors in, in the justice of that situation. So God has to rule in holy justice in order to even deliver the oppressed. Um, those oppressors, he's been merciful on. And I know that's why David cried out in the Psalms, Why do the wicked prosper? Why? Don't you ever feel that way sometimes, Lord? Why are the wicked allowed to scheme and prosper and seem to have favor, seem to be winning? But as I prayed on the prayer call last night, when have we ever, ever, Said something is over because the enemy says it's over. Never, it's over when the Lord says it's over, yes. and I don't know where the phrase "it's over when the fat lady sings." I don't, I don't like that for that term, but I'm telling you, it is over when the God of the universe's uh, word is spoken, and so that is what we cling to, and that is not just for the favored positions in the church of the hierarchy of this of this. Uh, this, this entity, this machine that's, that became the church from the book of Acts. No, it's for every, for all who believes. They can walk in authority. All who believes have the opportunity to walk in the same power and the same authority with a laid down life. And um, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I don't have to go through a priest to get my sins confessed. That's all part of the religious system that makes human ranking and 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 that's what was perplexing to nicodemus you know when he did come to the lord he just couldn't believe that there there was such a political um social classing and things going on even in jesus day and he came to cut through all of that as the disruptor why because he did love us so i'm so thankful for that This, this is such a good word today so important and i just pray and as i close in prayer i will be praying that not one word that the lord spoke out of, uh, out of Greg's mouth today that was the Holy Spirit um, will fall to the ground. It's, it's really irrelevant. We are vessels through which God speaks. And Psalm 100 says, we are his people and the sheep of his God. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. But it's not about exaltation of the human voice. It's about being a vessel through which the Holy Spirit can speak. And that's for all believers. Your mic might be in your one-to-one opportunities at your job. Some people might have a platform of thousands and thousands of people with their voice. That is up to the Lord. But we are to walk and steward the people that God's put in our life, However few, when you're faithful in little, you'll be able to be faithful in much. If you don't have the ability and confidence and faith in the Lord and in your relationship to speak to your coworker. You're likely not going to have the confidence when, when it really gets rough to speak to a crowd in a microphone. It, it's Because there's no difference. It's all about just being willing to speak what God has you speak uh, when he says it. So let's pray and close today. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this word today. Thank you, God, for your word. God, I praise you that you make available this interaction, this relationship with you. That you speak. That you said, My my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. Oh God, we desire to know (coughs) you, as Paul said, that I may know him and then know the power of his resurrection. And then in a laid down life, share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I just I love that verse because it it just it connects us, God, with, with really what it costs to have this carnal side of us, this sin nature that we have been, it's been renewed by your Holy Spirit when we accept you, Lord Jesus. But it does have to die. Because the, as Greg said today, the easiest part was inviting you into our hearts. The rest is an everyday yes to you. And Father, help us to recognize that a yes to you is a no to everything that is not of you, no matter what that means. There isn't duplicity in that yes. We will serve no other gods before you. So God, I just thank you, and I praise you, and I worship you. And I guess most of all, Father, I thank you that it is not in our own strength, but that your strength is greatest in our weakness. I thank you, God, that the Christian life is not hard. It is impossible apart from you. We know, and John says, but apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, I thank you for that. Because, oh, I really can do nothing apart from you. And when I thought I did, I made a mess of my life. So, God, i just, just so filled with gratitude this morning for who you are. You are so beautiful, Savior. What a beautiful Savior you are. You are so worthy of the praise and to be exalted in the earth. I praise you and I declare that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. So we give you that praise this morning. Take us from this place with your truth and with knowing that we can share in the fellowship, that you're knocking at our door, (coughs) wanting us to open the door, that you might come in and sup with us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.